with the 32nd pick in the NFL Draft. The Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Journey to Draft podcast. I'm Chris McPherson, joined once again by Fran Duffy and the esteemed draft analyst from draftanalyst.com, the one, the only, the legendary Tony Pauline. He's a legend. Good to be here. Great. I hope I can live up to expectations. <laughs> uh, so enthusiastic. I mean, it's day two of the on-field drills here at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. We're sitting along Radio Row in the convention center. And uh, after watching the, yesterday was the running backs and offensive linemen. offensive linemen on the field on Saturday, the quarterbacks, big day there, wide receivers and tight ends. So we're going to dive right into things here before we get your questions in our draft mailbag later on in the show. We'll kick things off with Josh Allen. Okay, We all knew about the big arm, and I think the biggest question for me is from you guys, what is it that you maybe saw from Josh Allen that was different than the tape? Because it seemed like he had the cannon, was able to unleash it all down the field. We saw the, the big throws. It wowed the coaches. It wowed the, his fellow teammates who were competing. Was there anything that you saw out there today that was different than what you had on tape, Tony? He did not make receivers work hard to catch the ball. I mean, he was basically within the, uh, the catching radius. He didn't have them leaving their feet as he did the senior bowl. He didn't have them adjusting backwards as he did at the senior bowl and during his junior season at Wyoming. His timing was a little bit late on uh, a number of passes. But for the most part, I mean, he was hitting them in the breadbasket or they, they weren't having to get off balance and contort to make the pass to catch the ball, which I thought was a good thing for Josh Allen to step in the right direction. He said since the senior ball, you know, he's working on his footwork. He's working on the little things that are going to help his accuracy, and it's starting to show. So it was a good performance for him. Yeah, I think the you got off to that one start. The very first pass he threw in the official drills was a slant, and he overthrew the receiver, uh, sailed it over his head, and we all kind of looked at each other and said, all right, like, uh, what are we getting into here? Um, I talked to somebody who was on the field, uh, and he came back, and he said, yeah, I was a little amped up for that throw, and he came back, and, and he after every, after that throw, everything was on the money, like Tony said. I mean, it, I would agree that some of those throws, especially late in the workout, came out a little bit late, but overall, the balls needed to be exactly where they or the balls were exactly where they needed to be. Uh, obviously, the ball popped out of his hand as well as anybody out there. It was a really impressive workout, both for Josh Allen. I would say Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield as well. So, t- Tony, real quick, going back to Josh Allen, you think he helped himself out here today in well, Indianapolis? Absolutely. I mean, he was better than he was at the Senior Bowl, though he wasn't very good at the Senior Bowl. Everybody fell in love with him at the Senior Bowl because of the physical skills. When I say everybody, I mean people who hadn't seen him live for the first time. So now we're starting to show that he can, you know, he's got a degree of accuracy. I think the timing issue today was one, just not a level of comfort with the receivers, you know, because these guys are throwing the brand new receivers. And I think two, the dangerous thing is he may be relying on his big arm uh, to get those passes through the tight window. So he throws them late, which you're not going to be able to do at the next level. So, but it all all said all said and done, it was definitely a step in the right direction for him. Let me ask you guys this. Is it a good thing that the Eagles already have their franchise quarterback? Yes. Because, you know, all these quarterbacks, even though there could be five or six who go in the first round, they all seem to have their flaws. At the end of the day, is it good that the Eagles have their guy in tow? I mean, I haven't done the amount of work on them that I normally would, If obviously, if the Eagles were looking for a quarterback. But I, I would be 
I'd be a little concerned about selecting most of these guys, you know, just because they all have their flaws that have proven to be key reasons why players have failed in the past. And so that, that, that scares you a little bit if you're going to try and make this guy your franchise quarterback. Well, it's not just that the Eagles have their franchise quarterback because they have the right quarterback. Right. <clears throat> I mean, the guy is developing at a great pace. Uh, so uh, it's not even a question. Uh, you know, the thing is this is, are there any franchise quarterbacks in this year's draft? I mean, if there were, Cleveland would be would, would basically be signed, sealed, and delivered and committed yeah. to one guy, and they're not. Because there was so much, it's not because there's so much talent. It's because there's so many questions. But Cleveland didn't position. think Carson Wentz was a franchise quarterback. Otherwise, they would have their franchise quarterback already. So. Right, but in hindsight, is probably the easy, in the NFL draft is the easiest thing in the world. And you know what you're saying is correct. But two things on that: number one, when Cleveland made that trade, everyone was applauding Cleveland. Okay, because they traded down, they got a bunch of picks, and everyone thought it was great for Cleveland. And the other thing is this: is and you have to be honest, is Carson Wentz the same quarterback under Hugh Jackson as he has developed the past two years Fair at point. Peterson at, at, in Philadelphia? Great point. Uh, my, my answer is no. I mean, Hugh Jackson has never shown the ability to really develop a skill player. So everybody wants to get on Cleveland, and you've got to ask, you've got to remember that they were applauded when they made the trade. And number two, Wentz is probably not the same quarterback today under Hugh Jackson in Cleveland that he is in Philadelphia. So, Fran, you said Baker Mayf Mayfield was also one of your – more impressive performances today from the quarterback. Yeah, just because there was, this was the first time I had seen him live, and, and I wasn't overly impressed with Baker Mayfield's arm watching him on tape over the course of the last two years. Um, it was actually one of my big concerns for him coming into this season, but anyone that I had talked to that had either seen him uh, live at Oklahoma, either at practice or had gone to a game live or at the senior ball, everybody had said, you know what, the ball comes out of his hand really well, and I reserved judgment until I saw him live, and when I saw him live today, I would agree that he was of the second group. I think the ball came out of his hand better than even Rosen's. Just the, just the way it came out, I, I was pretty impressed with the way the ball came out of his hand. He was a very easy thrower. I think he did a good job. Uh, you know, I, I'm still not sold on him being as one of the top elite quarterbacks in the draft, uh, along with Rosen and Allen and, and Darnold. Um, you know, things I notice is <clears throat> it seems that the height may be an issue because a couple of times he was overthrowing the ball to try and get extra speed on it, and he kind of goes over the top a little bit much. I think that's because of the height issue, and his, his deep passes die. He cannot drive the deep throw. Those deep passes die in the wind. Oftentimes the receivers were slowing up in their routes, waiting for the ball to get to him, so that the senior ball saw that on film. It was a solid day. I, I think he helped himself. I think he's going to be a top 12 selection. He's probably going to be overdrafted. Uh, and all in all, good for Baker Mayfield. I'm still not sold on him at the next level. If you're an Eagles fan, you want all the quarterbacks to go before 32. Lamar Jackson is a player who, of course, coming into the combine, there are the rumblings whether he would work out a wide receiver. And Jackson said that he's only going to work, be a quarterback, and no one's even asked him to work out as a wide receiver. So how did he perform in the drills, and did he help his cause to be a first-round pick? I thought he struggled. I mean, he had his moments, but overall he looked to be pressing. Overall, the ball was flying all over the place. He threw a couple of awful-looking ducks, I mean, where they weren't, weren't even tight spirals. It was, wasn't end-over-end, but it might as well have been an end-over-end. Uh, you know, I, I think that I like Lamar Jackson. I want to see him succeed. But, you know, I knew there was a lot of work. He needs a lot of work coming in. He didn't look overly comfortable dropping in a, in a five-step drop or a seven-step drop or a three-step drop. He needs a lot of work on that. 
And he needs work on his accuracy. He needs to work on his downfield accuracy and the, the lateral accuracy he needs work. So it's going to be a haul. You, you've got to be – if you draft Lamar Jackson, you better have a plan in place. It better not be a situation where you expect him to fit to your system. You better design a system around him, and you better be patient with him. I, I thought that he was solid today. Um, I th- certainly the arm talent is there in terms of the velocity. Uh, he was able to stretch the field on those longer throws. Um, I would agree that some, there was a little bit of erratic play from him. There were a couple throws that the placement wasn't great. But uh, overall, I, th- I think he was solid. I, I, th- I thought he had a nice day. So going down the list a little bit here, a quarterback you have as a riser after his performance today, Mike White yeah. out of Western Kentucky. Is this a guy who we're talking about day two selection? Are we looking at day three? Maybe, you know, if the Eagles look to, for a development guy, you know, maybe for the practice squad in the late rounds, is he a guy who may, maybe is on the team's radar? He, he played well in spots at the Senior Bowl, and he's a guy that a lot of people like. He could sneak into the late part of day two. If he's not in the late part of day two, I think he'll be off the board quickly in the, in the, in the fourth round. He's definitely a developmental guy. I think in the right system he can start. Uh, if you just, you know, if he's coached correctly and you bring him along slowly, he threw some terrific passes. He throws a nice ball, first of all. He throws tight spirals. He throws a catchable ball. He threw some fantastic passes today. Some of those deep outs were as good as any of the quarterbacks who threw him. He doesn't have a great arm. He has an above-average arm. He probably has Josh Rosen-type arm strength. I definitely think, you know, he's one of the guys that, and really when you – you're throwing against air today, <clears throat> but when you break down his film, you can see he gets it between the ears. He's got a good sense for what's happening on the field. He doesn't make bad uh, throws. He doesn't make poor choices in the pocket. He knows where his receivers are. He's in, always in command of the uh, offense. So I was impressed with his throwing. I already know he's got it between the ears. So I, I definitely think maybe late third round, if not third round, I, I think early part of day three. Are there, Fran, any of those other quarterbacks – after the, the top six or so, who are being discussed as possible late day two, day three selections, who separated themselves from the pack potentially, or maybe on the flip side, hurt their cause out here today in Indianapolis? I, I, was, I personally was hoping to see a little bit more from Luke Falk uh, from Washington State. So uh, he was a bit disappointing. Um, honestly, Mason Rudolph was a guy that he is exactly today what I thought he was coming in. Uh, a lot of people really kind of praised his arm strength, and he's this great downfield thrower. I never really thought that he was a great downfield thrower in terms of his velocity and his, his velocity and arm strength, and that showed up on the field. He, he was not a guy that uh, where the ball came out really well, especially on those deeper throws. Um, but overall, the kid is he's big, he's strong, he re, he's a really got a, a big strong build uh, to handle you know in terms of the NFL, but. Uh, the accuracy is a little bit up and down, but overall, I still like the kid, and I think that he's got the ability to stick in the league for a long time uh, just as a backup player. Fran, real quick, look over at the virtual reality section. It's like yes. a passing demonstration drill. Give us your uh, X's and O's analysis of uh, the gentleman out there who's slinging the rock out there. A lot of quick darts, it seems like, more I, than anything I, else. Uh, I it's pretty entertaining to watch. Oh, to here we go, least. over there. As the, there's lots of things you see on the radio row here now. <laughs> now that we've been moved into this fan zone, yeah, it's, I would say that the motion needs a lot of work. He's overstriding. Uh, does not have any kind of balance whatsoever. And now look at the pocket presence. He's getting hit from behind here. <laughs> it's like he's throwing like, a baseball, not a football. Yeah, that's yeah, that's terrible. It's almost like the Pope uh, sending out the holy water, yeah, blessing the it's, people. It's so that kind of motion there. So see, we're, we're you never know where you're going to find the next superstar. 
Okay. Uh, we're, we're still looking at this point. Scout, scouts say they're looking under every nook and cranny for the next talent. So she certainly ain't that guy. No. no. Uh, last guy I want to ask from the quarterback, Sam Darnold. Doesn't throw here at the combine. Did he help himself by not doing so? Of course, everyone's going to say, no, you should, you know, separate yourself. You could be the top guy if you throw. But, you know, did any of the performances from the other quarterbacks kind of leaving evaluators wanting more maybe say, all right, maybe Darnold is the top guy of this class? He definitely didn't help himself. Did he hurt himself? I think he kind of made himself look a little bit foolish because he stood on the sidelines. Allen threw well. Rosen had a decent day. Baker Mayfield threw well. Mike White threw well. And all Sam Darnold did was stand around. Uh, so when everyone else, when the top, other top guys, I mean, none of the top guys hurt themselves. Most of them helped themselves. And Darnold, Darnold basically stood around. That's not a good sign. Uh, it, it definitely was not a help. I don't know that it was a hindrance. I, I just think it kind of looked foolish that when the top guys are there performing, uh, for NFL scouts, you're kind of just standing around watching. Uh, you know, if I was an NFL decision maker, it just wouldn't sit well with me. I do wish he threw. It's, it was, you know, in terms of especially looking at all the other guy, all the other top guys through. It would have been nice to see him throw side by side. Just because uh, for you, Fran, experiencing this live here at the combine yeah. for the first time, does that make a difference being able just to go from back to back to back no and question. seeing these guys? Yeah, in a row. I mean, Josh Allen would have been a couple players after, uh, or a couple players before Sam Darnold. So you would have been able to see Allen throw side by side with Darnold. Jackson was a few quarterbacks after, so it would have been really good to be able to see those three uh, compete in that first group of quarterbacks. All right, transitioning to the wide receivers, the consensus number one receiver, Calvin Ridley, out of Alabama, seemed like he cemented his spot with his performance today. Would you say that's correct, Tony? Hands down. I mean, he ran relatively well. He wasn't a, a burner. It wasn't a John Ross-type time. I mean, he was in the low 4-4s, four high 4-3s, depending on the watch that you saw. <clears throat> but when it was time for drills, he was terrific. I mean, he ran some exquisite routes, uh, uh, scissor-sharp-type routes, where he was uh, basically getting in the breaks without losing any momentum at all. He was coming back. Uh, he was uh, playing on balance, staying low on exit, and he caught the ball very, very well. Uh, and overall, you know, he was the number one receiver coming into the combine, and no one's no one's really come close to him. What's funny, sitting here between uh, Tony's across the table from me, Fran's to my right here. You know, Tony's got the laptop. Fran's got his laptop as well with his draft database, but he also has the notebook. So we're not, and we're not talking about you know romantic movies or anything like that no, here. So the uh, the notebook was from watching the workout today. So okay. I'm just going back to. Uh, some of the other guys that I thought stood out to me. And, and Ridley did stand out. He made a couple nice catches. He had, uh, I think he had a drop in the um, in the gauntlet drill, uh, but made some nice catches over his shoulder. Uh, I thought that overall he had a pretty good day. His testing numbers outside of the 40 were the left a little bit to be desired. You know, the, the agility drills were not great. His jumps were not great. But uh, he ran pretty well in terms of the 40-yard dash. A lot of people were interested to see how he would run there. He's only 189 pounds. That has a little, uh, some people concerned as well. I agree with Tony, though. He's my number one receiver, and to me, he's clear-cut. He's the number one but guy. But you so. love Captain Kirk. I do a love tremendous Captain day. Kirk. And he's another guy who ran well, but the, the rest of the testing, uh, the rest of the test scores weren't very good. Uh, the agilities weren't very good. The jumps weren't very good. Uh, but, again, you're talking about players over 200 pounds, uh, a little bit undersized from a, a length standpoint, from a height standpoint. But I'm a big fan of Christian Kirk, and the drills I thought he looked very good. 
Uh, I, I'm a big fan of his game as well. The guy of the the guys that are to me are the top three receivers. It's Ridley. It's Kirk. DJ Moore had the best day in turn from an athletic standpoint. His athletic numbers were outstanding, and I thought he caught the ball very well in drills as well. Yeah, he's he was definitely one of my risers, uh, which will be on PhiladelphiaEagles.com shortly. Yes. But without a doubt. I, I mean, Moore was a guy that had a lot of buzz <clears throat> coming into the combine. I think in my mock draft I had him going in the second round to the Baltimore Ravens, and I think he definitely solidified himself. I don't think he's going to go first round. People have said that. I, I, I'm not uh, – I'm not sold on that, but I think he's definitely going to go top 15, 16 in round two. I wish he was a little bit taller, but, you know, he's got good he – got, he's got sneaky speed in a sense that he doesn't look like he's running fast when he actually is running fast, and he catches the ball well, and he did a lot of good things here today. Obviously, the other receiver that we got to talk about is DJ, DJ Chark. Yeah, of course. Of uh, LSU, who was the fastest, ran 4-3-4. <laughs> I think he had like an 11-foot long jump. Yeah. I had like a 39-inch vertical jump and did a solid job catching the ball. And the one thing that we know historically is LSU receivers are much better in the NFL than they are on the college level. Is so that I, because I, of the quarterback situation at LSU is I, never I think it's a variety terrible. of situations. I mean, most of those guys leave as underclassmen. So, you know, they don't have a big body of work. They're great athletes. You know, they just never really developed uh, receivers. They had good receivers, but they never really developed them. And I think what happens is is they just get to the next level and they are, uh, you, you know, the, the coaching takes over and, and they, they're developed to their fullest. So I, I think Chark definitely solidified himself as a second-round pick. Where in the second round he goes is probably going to be somewhere in the middle of round two. Your thoughts on DJ Chark? Uh, I, his tape I, I thought was just okay. Right. Um, but his I know that he had a good senior bowl, right, Tony? You were there. I, I heard that he had a good senior bowl. Um, and then obviously today it was very, very good, the, as Tony alluded to. The, obviously the 40-yard dash, low four threes. The jumps were outstanding. And I thought he did a good job uh, catching the ball as well in drills. It was a good, uh, good job in both gauntlet reps. Uh, he is very skinny in terms of his frame. Uh, he's got that track body. Uh, but overall, I thought I thought he had a very strong day. There are a few receivers I thought really stood out to me. You know, in terms of the drills and I, I, the test numbers, I know for, for some of these guys weren't great. Uh, Auden Tate did not test well, which we didn't really expect him to test well. But he made some outstanding catches and drills. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I thought, had a really strong day today. You know, I, the the testing numbers were very good for a guy his size, and he looked really good in, in drills as well, Tony. You got to remember, <clears throat> the combine is about expectations, and the yeah. whole object is to beat expectations. And the expectations for Cortland Sutton were a potentially a four-six guy, and he ran in the mid-four fives, <clears throat> and then he caught the ball relatively well. There were a couple of passes that really weren't his fault that got away from him. They were overthrows by the quarterback. Um, but I, I, I think that you know, and I hear this this about Cortland Sutton about how he's. Uh, He's got to prove he's got to go up and get the ball, and I disagree with that because that's what he did so well in college. Mm. Granted, he played better as a sophomore than he did as a junior, but uh, Sutton absolutely helped himself. You know, the X factor, uh, ironically, would be the Callaway kid from Florida. I was just going to bring him up. Who uh, tested well, who ran great routes, who caught the ball extremely well. You know, he was suspended for 2017. I believe it was credit card fraud, which put him on the sidelines. He's a sensational athlete. He's a natural receiver. He's got return skills, but he's got the maturity of an eight-year-old. So you, you got There are some mature eight-year-olds oh, okay. out there. I, so, I apologize but. if I'm assaulting <laughs> you. Um, uh, <laughs> but, you know, the question is, is where do you take a guy like that? You know, they uh, – 
Florida had a receiver like that a couple of years ago. Yes, uh, Demarcus Robinson. Exactly, yes. who on film pick. looked absolutely incredible. So, you know, Antonio Callaway, where do you, where do you roll the dice on him? You know, when does he start to become too good of a value to, to uh, pass up? And is it a situation where some owner is going to come down and say, we're not taking this kid, take his name off the board because of all the, all the off-the-field issues. So that's one of the more interesting cases of receivers moving forward. A couple other names real quick. Uh, and, Tony, tell me if I'm crazy. Uh, Dylan Cantrell from Texas Tech I thought caught the ball pretty well, and the test scores came back pretty strong. Much faster than expected. I yes. mean, I, I thought a guy like that was going to run in the the mid-4.6s, maybe even 4.7. He ran under 4.6. So yep. for a guy that size, and he's a good receiver. He's not fluid. He's not quick. He, he wins out for the contested pass. I, I thought he did very well. Trey Quinn from SMU I thought had a really good day. He had a couple of really nice catches over his shoulder downfield as well. Caught the ball well, but he did not run fast. And yeah, all the, the word uh, yeah, was five, coming into the, yep. uh, into the combine was he was going to be a 4-3 guy. He yep. didn't even come close nope. to being a 4-3 guy. So I, I th- and he's, a, he's, not a, he's not a bigger guy. So, I, I, you know, he is a good receiver. But in all, all we were talking about, all we heard was he's a track guy who's going to run fast, and he did not. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, this is your boy here, Fran. The guy's got a lot of potential. Uh, he, you know, you're talking about 6'4", 206 pounds. He's got great size. Um, 4'37 was what they announced on TV. I had him at 4'33 on my clock. Uh, I was really impressed with how he caught the ball as well in drills, and that was something that he kind of struggled with a little bit at South Florida. Had some drops this season. An NC State transfer, began his career there with the Wolfpack and transferred to the Bulls. Uh, Tony, what would you think of that kid? And overall, what do you think of him? Yeah, I, I mean, I had him as a six-round pick coming into the combine. Obviously, I think he's going to move up a little bit. Uh, doesn't have a big body of work. Yeah. You know, at South Florida with that quarterback, you, did, you never knew what you were getting. So he's the type of guy I think you're going to take in the, in the third day. He may take a while to develop, but the, the underlying skills, both an athlete and receiver, are there. Last year, Penn State had Chris Godwin, who lasted till the third round, was very productive for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tony, you noted Deshaun Hamilton came into the combine with strong performances in the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl. What did you think of his performance here in Indy? As I reported on, what was that? Oh, draftanalyst.com. Of course. <laughs> so Sorry, I, I, I slept in and forgot to read it this morning, Tony. My uh, apologies. No, no, so. no, no, a couple days ago, he did well, not. Well, certainly didn't read a couple days ago. He, so. was, he did not run. At, he was not planning on running because basically he was, felt he was a little bit beat up from uh, a great week of practice at the Shrine game, a great week of practice at the Senior Bowl. But he ran great routes today. He caught the ball very well, um, you know, from the football perspective, he is a terrific football player. His pro day is March 20th. We're going to have to find out then if he's a good athlete. If he runs well, and well for a guy his size is in the low four fives, he's going to go in the third round. If he stinks it up and is a four five five guy or slower, he's probably going to go in the fourth round area. But from a pass catching uh, perspective, he was one of the top guys there today. I right. really, really like his film. Let's go to the tight end position. And, uh, Tony, first name I'm going to throw out at you. Uh, you know, played in the Hoosier State, Ian Thomas yeah. of Indiana. Yeah. You have him as a riser after his uh, outing at Lucas Hall Stadium. Wasn't as fast as I was led to believe he was going to be. He ran, uh, I believe, in the mid-4.7s. I was told potentially 4.6s. But, I mean, it's a great story. The guy caught three passes in 2016, was not even listed uh, not rated by scouts. I don't even know that he participated in junior timing day. He didn't even get a street free agent grade. Comes in this year, 25 receptions, uh, five for TDs. G- gets on the radar screen, 
looks really good, the senior ball. I, you know, he didn't really run fast today, but I thought he caught the ball exceptionally well. He was smooth. He was fluid. Caught the deep pass well and, and did a good job. Tony, does anyone ever tell you that they're going to run a certain time and they end up running faster than that? Mark Andrews of uh, Oklahoma. I was told he was going to run uh, four sixes, and he ran a little bit faster than he did at okay. the tight end position. So, uh, you know, I, I mean. It does happen on occasion. That's all I was going to say. you got to remember, though, you, you, the 40s in the workouts at the Combine are the last thing that happened. And it's really, it, it, it's, four, it's four days of grueling of, uh, of being tested mentally, physically, the medical exams are uh, are pretty are pretty uh, pretty wearing, and then they, these guys are interviewed up until twelve o'clock at night. Sometimes they got to leave three thirty in the morning to get to the hospital for MRIs, so uh, they are pretty worn down and beaten down by the time they they take to uh, the starting line for the forty and, and do their workouts. So overall, yeah, everyone wants to run faster. Everyone's going to run faster than they actually do. To answer your question, I think Mark Andrews ran a little bit faster than right. I was told he was going to. All right, Fran, who impressed you amongst the tight ends? Uh, well, Gasicki's workout was silly. I mean, really, really good. I expected him to jump really well because that was everything I heard was that his jumps were going to be really, really good. Um, I did not expect him to time as well in the agilities as he did, and he tested. I mean, it's going to go down as one of the best workouts ever by a tight end in terms of the athletic scores. I didn't expect that from Mike Gasicki. Um, but a, a really, really outstanding day. So does that present a conundrum for you now? Not a conundrum, I should say, but now do you have to go back and look at the tape again and say, what exactly did I miss? Yeah, I mean, especially from the, the fluidity standpoint as a route runner, that's the thing where I didn't really necessarily see it. But, um, you know, that's, one of the, that's the one difference, though, is between time, speed, and play speed. If you're thinking as a route runner, if you're trying to think as you do something, uh, you're obviously not going to be as fast doing it. Imagine trying to run a 40-yard dash and now try to run a 40-yard dash while you're juggling. You're going to do. You're going to be moving a little bit slower because uh, you're thinking about what you're doing. It's the same kind of idea. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go back and watch more Gasicki. I was going to anyway. I will tell you this about Gasicki, and the reason I did not uh, put him down as a riser is because I did not think he played or practiced to his speed today. I thought his workout numbers were great, but when it was time to catch the ball and run routes, he kind of was downshifted a gear. Um, I was not impressed, and I like Asiki. He's my number one ranked tight end right now. Really? And, and as a matter of fact, uh, May of last year, I had him in a first round in the first round when I did a first round mock draft. So, uh, but I just didn't think when I saw the workout numbers, when I saw what he ran in the forty, I didn't think he translated that into the position drills. Um, so I was a little disappointed in that aspect of it. How did Dallas Goddard do? I know he was considered. Did not do anything. Did not participate. Yeah, he is uh, March 30th is their pro day. He had a first day of senior bowl practice. He had a bad hamstring uh, injury. I mean, he it was wrapped. He wasn't walking. He was carted off. I tried to follow the story, and as of last night, they said they, he was going to try and give it a go. Didn't do anything today. So the date is March 30th for his pro day, and – He's really the only tight end that people talk about as being a potential first-round choice. I don't agree with it, but from what talking to people, he's the only guy that they talk about uh, uh, could be a potential first-round pick. All right, so that's going to do it in terms of our evaluation of the on-field performance here at Lucas Oil Stadium for the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Now we're going to get to your questions in our draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. 
All right, time for your questions now. The first one comes from, this is a Twitter handle that uh, I'm somewhat familiar with, at FW3. Oh, hey. And uh, Fran wants to know, Tony, what's the latest on Mo Hurst, defensive lineman, after ESPN's Adam Schefter's report earlier today? I have not heard anything additional. Uh, he's going to undergo additional tests. I, I mean, it could be anything. It, you know, star little lady got flagged. It's a heart condition, by the way, right. to well, put out there. It, so. it, 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 they say it's a heart condition. Or it was reported as a heart yes. condition. So, you know, it could be anything from he has a, has a flu, which is what star little lady had, uh, which kind of made things out of whack. It could be something uh, more significant. I remember... Ooh, about, uh, I want to say 10 years ago, I broke a story where a kid by the name of Brian Mandeville, who was a tight end out of Northeastern, he was really the first Rob Gronkowski type of tight end. He was 6'5", 240 pounds. He played the position like a receiver at a small school, Northeastern, uh, up in the, the Massachusetts area that doesn't even have a football program anymore. He came here. He was one of the highest-rated small school guys. It was a simple stethoscope exam where one of the doctors heard something strange, they sent him for additional tests, and the tests showed that if he had a concussion to his chest in the wrong, or the wrong way, he could potentially die, and he had to retire on the spot. So what, it, what is it with Hurst? I think we'll probably find out in the, uh, in the coming days. Hopefully it's not that serious. If it's not that serious, he'll work out at his pro day. He'll have to come back here for the combine recheck, which happens in the beginning of April. Um, but I, I think what's going to happen is, is eventually it will come out uh, as to you know what the what the exact what the specifics are. Now let me tell you this: they're very careful with that. There have been I've heard almost a half a dozen guys that have been sent home with what's called a Jones fracture. Jones fracture is a small uh, a small crack in your foot. I mentioned the, I reported the other day the fullback from uh, San Diego State couldn't work out because he got flagged for the uh, Jones fracture. People noticed yesterday Brent Toth of Army did not work out. He was also flagged with the Jones fracture. Uh, and what happens is is the combine's being overly cautious uh, in, in many situations. If there's any sort of issue where the kid it may be a situation, they're going to send the kid home. They don't want the liability. They don't want to be dealing with that. So hopefully that's the, in, that's the case with Hearst where they're just being overcautious. But to be honest with you, I've not heard anything additional. So we could have read all that at draftanalyst.com, is that correct? Uh, no, but I'll just direct him to this podcast. There we go. It's too much to write. All right, the next question comes from at A Fuentes710. What round after his performance today do you see DJ Chark going in? I think it's uh, round two, definitely. It's just a okay. matter of where in round two. Is he a top ten pick in round two? Is he uh, you know, a mid to late second rounder? He absolutely helped himself, and as we spoke about earlier, you know, LSU receivers do much better in the NFL than they do on the college level. All right, next question comes from at Oh Wow, hmm, our good friend. Wants to know who gave the worst press conference and what was the worst joke that you heard during the whole thing? So I'm not sure. Worst joke you heard during the whole thing. I'm trying so, to think of. <clears throat> um, here's what I'll say. I'm not going to say who had the worst press conference because I don't want to put anyone on blast that way. Um, but the I heard some bad questions over the last couple of days. Gotcha. There were some bad questions. First of all, I literally oh, here we there's, go. There's I know where he's going. Nothing I hate more. I know where he's going with than this. The question: Did you meet with the Jets today? 
Did you meet Did you meet with the Giants last night? Do you have a meeting scheduled with the Philadelphia Eagles? Are you going to meet with the Pittsburgh Steelers at some point this week? Every player is going to meet with every team at some point during the process from the from the All-Star games up until the draft. That's what it is. And now the underclassmen, more often than not, are going to have more meetings than the upperclassmen at, the, at this event because they haven't had the All-Star games to be able to do it. Correct. But every player is going to meet with every team in some way, shape, or form. I hate that we waste time talking about it at the press conference. That's number one. Number two... <laughs> the uh, there used to be back in the day, it used to be what was your height weight? That, that was number two. Oh, that's number two for I you. I got that one today, and guess what? The guy the guy prefaced it with, I could probably look this up somewhere. But what did you weigh in at today? <laughs> I wanted to throw my pen at him. It it was I I got so annoyed. Um, was it Tony who asked that question? No, it wasn't Tony okay. this time. Um, but Tony uh, doesn't mess around with the press conference. <laughs> no, he doesn't he's have too, time he's for too it. good for that. Um, exactly. But uh, yeah, those are those are definitely the the two big ones. I actually did hear a good joke today. Okay, it was about Orlando Brown. Oh no! <laughs> and they basically said that if he had stood at the uh, the line for the vertical jump and just fallen face first, he would only be two inches shy of what he actually jumped. <laughs> and when you think about it, that's actually true. I think because he's what six nine and he jumps yeah. six eleven. Uh, the broad jump. I'm sorry, the broad, broad jump. jump the yeah. Jump. But uh, when you think about it, that's. Uh, would have been less embarrassment too. He would have had an excuse. I tripped over the line and uh, yeah. that's it fell a little flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a joke or Orlando Brown's broad joke? Oh, so well, there's we there's your joke. Now. There's yes. your joke right there. For you. I'm trying to think of what what joke would you hear during during these? Uh, I mean, some I of the players. Guy, I don't think guys come out with like an icebreaker or anything. No, so. I think some of the. Another common question is, what's the worst question or weirdest question you've been asked? I'm so sick of that storyline, too. I think uh, Shaquem Griffin said uh, he was asked whether he was a dog or a lion. Yeah, the popular one this year is about the animals. Um, Someone got asked about uh, what fruit you would be. Uh, and then uh, someone was asked it's about a staring contest. And you wonder why I don't go to the press conference. That's, that might be it right there. <laughs> that's, it's just such a waste. It's such a waste. But, you know, everyone's got their questions. Well, that's why the uh, – that's what the combine has turned into, and the, and the league wants it like that. You know, just when I first came to the combine in 2001, it was John Clayton and Chris Mortensen. Guys and with, Tony Pauline. That's right. Guys with um, – The Mount Rushmore. Heads. <laughs> their notepads and their and their uh, microphones, you know, and, and that was it. And everybody would get together at night at Shula's Bar and, uh, and and restaurant and drink. And the more alcohol was consumed, the more the information would fly. But now you've got thousands of media people who don't know anything about the draft, the players asking questions like that. People like me. So next question comes from at Bonafide Jr. Who is the third best running back in this draft class behind? Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis. And second question, very similar, who's the third best receiver behind Ridley and assuming you're going with Christian Kirk at number two? Yeah. Uh, I would say, first, there's a difference in my mind between who is the best and who is going to get drafted first. Uh, All right. For my money, my, my favorite would be Der- would be um, Nick Chubb uh, at, the, at the running back spot, though I don't think he's – and Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he'll probably be the third running back taken. Do you think that would uh, – Probably the case. I don't. I don't think so. Not unless uh, you know 
one of those top three guys get into a car accident. Right. No. Wow, thanks. Uh, knock on wood. Jeez. Um, for uh, the receiver position is DJ Moore. We talked about him earlier. I, I think DJ Moore is the best of the next group and will probably get drafted the best of the next group. The only th caveat I'll put to that is if a team wants a bigger receiver, then Cortland Sutton would make the jump, obviously. Okay. Tony, any disagreements there? or I completely disagree. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> My number three uh, back is Sonny Michelle after uh, <laughs> Saquon Barkley and Darius Guy. So uh, Sonny Michelle is my, num is my number three back. My number two receiver is Cortland Sutton. Yep. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed in James Washington today. He was my number three receiver, and I think after today it's either going to be Christian Kirk or DJ, <clears throat> DJ Chark. I really don't like to have guys make big moves up draft boards. You know, my number three receiver is likely going to be Christian Kirk because I did have him in the first round at one point in time. So I, I think I'm just going to slide uh, Washington down after his disappointing 40 time today. That, so that was what uh, disappointed you was just the, was the 40? I thought he caught it well today. He caught the ball well, but he's not that big. And no, he's known he's as not. a vertical receiver. And vertical receivers can't run in the four fives. Well. I mean, they, you can do that in the Big 12. You can't do that in the NFL. Valid. So uh, he's got a limited route tree. I mean, basically – and I had heard these concerns um, – during the season, in fact, I wrote about him in a place called draftanalyst.com, if you're not familiar with it. <laughs> Never heard of it. But basically, <laughs> you know, there was, there was a belief that uh, Washington was so successful because they put him on man coverage and they slid a, uh, multiple receivers and everything the other way, and he was just able to beat his man in one-on-ones. And, you know, the talent in the Big 12 is not the talent in the NFL. All right, the last question comes from at QB Coach Blair, and he wants to know if Denver – takes a quarterback in the first round, who should they take? Have you mocked anyone in your – I mean, you got to think if he's there, it would be Quentin Nelson to help the offensive line if you're going to – Does he play – what, what's Quarterback. His, what's his ball placement look like? I'm sorry, wait a second. What was the question again? I'm if, Denver, if, they, if, Denver, if Denver takes a quarterback. Broncos. Right, okay. Quarterback for the Broncos right. in the first round. Josh Rosen. I think it's definitely Josh Rosen. Okay. I think – Josh Allen would be a consideration because I think Elway sees a lot of himself in Josh Allen. Okay. But I think, uh, you know, Elway likes the guys that he can, you know, that are NFL ready, NFL made. That's why he didn't draft Kaepernick. That's why he got rid of Tim Tebow. And I think that's why he would take Josh Rosen. Where's Kirk Cousins going, Tony? Is he going to Denver or is he going elsewhere? Yeah, we got to get some free agency juice yeah, out of you, Tony. You gave Jeez. us some good stuff last year. Come on, Tony. Um, he was the first with uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. Jackson to Tampa Bay. On, no a, on, our, on our periscope. Yeah. Well, let's, go, let's, let's start from the beginning. Uh, I wrote on a place, I forgot the name of it a couple days ago, <laughs> about how uh, the Miami Dolphins were going to use Jarvis Landry as a chip to trade up and get one of the quarterbacks. And today there was a report that they came close to a deal to trade Jarvis Landry and the 11th pick to Chicago really? to, to get the 8th selection and Chicago's back uh, Howard. Um, and, huh. and what? And Chicago really? pulled out of it because they didn't want to get rid of the running back. Uh, but the point is this, is Miami's actively looking to trade up to get one of the uh, quarterbacks. As far as free agency is concerned, the Jets are going to go heavy after Kirk Cousins, but everything I've heard is that they're going to fall short. Um, they have the ability to offer them the most money, the most upfront money in the early years. $60 million's out of control. I'm hearing it's maybe 42 to $45 million in the early years. <clears throat> but the fact is, is Kirk Cousins wants to win. It's very likely going to be Minnesota. 
some people think maybe Denver, um, uh, but but that's uh, it, it likely going to be Minnesota. Tremaine Johnson, the Oakland Raiders are going to make a concerted effort to really go after him hard. Oh, I saw that on DraftAnalyst.com. Uh, there you go. I wish I had read that. Um, <laughs> I resemble that remark. Uh, <laughs> but I think what's going to happen is I think San Francisco has more ammunition. I think San Francisco is going to go hard. Uh, after uh, Tremaine Johnson, and if San Francisco selects him, that changes their first-round philosophy because everyone thinks they're going to take Denzel Ward with that now ninth pick of round one. Um, and did we get an official measurement on Denzel Ward? I don't know if it's up yet. Uh, give me a second. I'll tell you. Uh, I'm sure we do. We're all scrambling. Ten, the thing about it is, is we they're probably going to round it off. Five ten seven eighths for Denzel Ward. For Denzel Ward. One wow. One eighty three. But that's okay, though. The problem, the concern with Denzel Ward was he was going to be under 5'10". 5'10", So if he's uh, five, almost 5'11". Five, 31 and a quarter inch arms, so really short arms. Yeah, yeah that's not good. Um, the, other, uh, <laughs> the other cornerback that's going to be in play, that's going to uh, get a lot of money, is Rashad Breland of the Redskins. I hear the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets are going to go after him very hard. And he fits Todd Balls. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Everybody in New York has been talking about Malcolm Butler, but Malcolm Butler's that small. Fit, that, does, that doesn't fit uh, well, yeah. Really makes, uh, makes the most sense. And then Weston Richburg, from what I heard, is not going to sign with the, re-sign with the New York Giants. Wow. Uh, gonna get, he's got a lot of suitors. He's going to get a lot of more, more money in free agency. Uh, Jacob, what's his name? Pugh from, uh, yeah. Jacob Pugh from the Giants. Probably not going to re-sign with or the Or Justin Pugh, wow. yeah. Justin Pugh, I'm pot. Thank you. Jacob Pugh's the linebacker from Florida State. That's right. There you go. See, once they're that on the yeah. well, I have no interest in them. I read that on TrackTown.com, <laughs> um, I heard Justin Pugh is also going to get paid. Probably not with the Giants. The Giants will probably come in with a last-minute offer, but it may not be enough. I mean, Tony only has time to watch game film and Seinfeld. That's he doesn't it. have time to watch NFL. So And some other Good stuff point. on my iPad, but we won't. So the last question, actually a surprise, last question came in from at CMAC Eagles. Oh. Tony, if you were a fruit, what type of fruit would you be? Uh, don't, we're not, don't, please no, don't I answer this I can't answer that question. No. So. I was one time, <laughs> one time I was asked if I was, a, if I was a, uh, a musical instrument, what would I be? And what do you think I said? Let's see. <laughs> I said I would be the voice of Robert Plant. There you oh, go. Oh, shocker. There we go. He's from AC. Get it? He's from ACDC, right? Yeah. I knew something. Something was obviously was coming. you didn't. I gave you the opportunity, and you didn't even. Uh, didn't take a shot at it. Uh, Swing and a miss on my part. <laughs> you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And on that note, Michael Scott, we're going to close out another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast. Again, special thanks to Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com, as well as the amazing. Fran Duffy. I'm Chris McPherson. For all of us here, have a great night, and we'll be back tomorrow to recap the defensive lineman and linebacker on-field workouts from Lucas Oil Stadium, the site of the 2018 NFL Scouting Combine.